up, Redhead Racing Radio? Andrew Crowan here with Jason Schultz. Happy Championship Week. It is Championship Week as we head to Phoenix to crown three champions in NASCAR. What a Martinsville weekend we had. I thought it was... I thought it was cool for the first time that I've ever watched NASCAR. I know it's been a long time since the Xfinity Series has raced at Martinsville, but 14 triple, years. Triple header racing from Martinsville. It's the first in my time that I've ever seen that. So that was neat to uh, to watch three races in, uh, all in one weekend. Because normally, uh, well, no I way. Guess you do get it with Phoenix, but normally you don't get that at Martinsville. It's, I thought you were going to say it's really unique to watch three races in one weekend. I'm like, yeah, that happens pretty often in NASCAR. No, no. At Martinsville, yes. The Xfinity Series had not raced here since 2006. I can don't understand at all why they have not raced here in the last 14 years. Like, you would think any short tracks should be on the schedule no matter what. And in 2006, it was a fantastic race. Lots of action. Martinsville never disappoints. I would say, though, the Xfinity Series was probably the biggest letdown of all three races because not as much happened as I expected. Yeah. Um, I... I, I... I'm very excited. Really, all three series. I thought it was cool for Grant Enfinger to race his way in in the truck series. And, and there are obviously going to be some newer names uh, down the trucks to watch in Phoenix on Friday. I thought it was cool for Harrison Burton to go back-to-back and, and especially break his own dad's record. And especially no to uh, so cool. have that championship group together. And then in the Cup Series, my God, what a unreal race that was like so much to watch and especially those last 15 laps I was on the edge of my seat waiting to see who's going to pass someone who's going to get past is Chase Elliott going to hang on and win the race so lots of stuff to break down this week I'm so glad you're so excited about what happened over the weekend you're never very excited about it so I'm just pumped that you're excited to talk about all this I appreciate your sarcasm Jason did you enjoy uh, the racing, I know you normally don't, but... Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, for once, I texted you after this race. I, like, the Martinsville, like, it was incredible. The first two, we talked about this previous weeks, the first two elimination races were a big letdown in the playoffs, especially with doing it at Bristol for the first time. thought that would be more like Martinsville was, but it turned out not to be. But this race delivered everything, especially with the playoffs, and especially just short track drama and action, because we saw... Lots of spins, lots of cautions, lots of things happening, lots of comers and goers, like stuff we haven't seen at Martinsville in two years finally kind of came back to life and made for a really entertaining race. But then you go to Twitter, and because Kevin Harvick was eliminated, which we'll get to, a lot of, not a lot of people, a vocal major, vocal, a vocal group of people were complaining about this playoff format as if this is the first time ever that a dominant car has not been able to make the championship for. That was very disappointing to see fans complain about that because without any of that playoff drama, this race would have been, it would have been good, but like nothing compared to what it ended up being. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How can you complain? How can about you not like the playoffs? Harvick? Like literally. Okay. We, I know we talk about playoff points and everything, but Harvick had absolutely everything going for him to make his way in and yet he still didn't how can you blame the system for that i i that to me makes no sense because if anybody had a distinct and direct advantage going into the round yeah it was harvick and he didn't capitalize on it and uh he got eliminated and that's probably (laughs) 
the biggest storyline this year so far is, is a guy who dominates all season long, regular season champion, nine wins, doesn't make it to the championship four. But then again, I feel like when we're getting bit in the butt again with the big three, it's like, oh, big three, which of these three is going to win? And then Logano wins 2018 championship. And now it's like, well, it's going to come down to Harvick and Hamlin and Phoenix. Well, you got to make it there. And Harvick did not end now. We look at this championship four group, and honestly, I think, I know we've said it before, this is anybody's game because each driver brings something unique to Phoenix that you can argue uh, makes them worthy of winning that championship. So I cannot wait to see what's going to happen. You touched on the point that all these fans made on social media last night is that he's a regular season champion. He won nine races. He deserves to win the championship, basically, was what they were saying, or at least compete for it. But we've said this multiple times: is in the playoffs, you got to perform to earn your chance at the championship. He did not perform well enough Backs in the playoffs. Against the wall, yeah. yeah. And literally, and the thing is, NASCAR heard fans' responses to the initial playoff format in 2014, where the playoff points didn't exist; they weren't a thing. It was the format we would like, which is just each point, the points you can each round count. That's what we think would be most exciting, and I think NASCAR should adopt that format again. But because of the criticism they received, they adopted the playoff format, playoff points format, where guys like Harvick can win a bunch of races in regular season and then win the regular season championship and then be rewarded with an advantage in the playoffs to hopefully aid them in getting the championship because they deserve it, quote unquote. Harvick had a 60 plus point advantage going to this round over everybody else. Yeah. He had this huge advantage and he still lost. Like, Performing like he did, that doesn't like it doesn't matter. Like you didn't execute when you needed to execute, so you don't deserve a chance to race for the championship. He NASCAR literally tried to hand him a berth to um I was say Miami to Phoenix, and he couldn't capitalize on it. And that's the drama of racing. That's the drama of the playoffs. And it was literally, it was so exciting watching that unfold throughout the race and now it's crazy that he won't be in phoenix but there's four guys that have deserved deserved their shot at the championship because they performed in the playoffs when it mattered most right yeah absolutely oh, i mean you look at frustrating you look at so if you break down the championship four joey logano won the phoenix race the most recent phoenix race in march now uh i actually asked chris gabehart this question who's crew chief for denny hamlin um about setups like how much can you carry over? And he, he thinks that there's a fair amount that has changed in, in terms of their knowledge of this package since we've been at March. He says they're going to be running a different setup at Phoenix than they did earlier this year. Um, but, but nonetheless, Joey Logano is the most recent winner. You look at last year, backs against the wall. Denny Hamlin won this race to get him into the championship four at Homestead last year. Brad Keselowski bringing arguably the best car out of the four when he dominated it at Richmond. That's the car he's bringing to Phoenix. Chase Elliott, rolling with momentum, had to win this weekend. He got it done. He's going to go into Phoenix with the exact same mentality of backs against the wall. You can make a pitch and an argument for every single person. I know that's what we touched on just now, but who do you think has has possibly that advantage? You know, at the beginning of the playoffs, you'd think if you saw these four names, it's like, well, something must have happened to Harvick. It's still got to be Denny Hamlin, but I'm not so sure Hamlin's the favorite anymore. Why not? Why you not? You just said everyone's equal. 
Well, I think I, I was saying that's everyone's pitch for why they could be successful and, and why they could be the champion. But in terms of if you look at for what you have done lately, I think Denny Hamlin, and we're going to get to it here in the playoff points, hasn't done a whole lot as of late in the playoffs where these True. other drivers have stepped it up a little bit more. All right, the package argument, the aero package, which I love talking about aero packages. I hope we never have to talk about aero packages again eventually. Um, that was the Phoenix was the first race with this adopted aero package for short tracks this year. And, of course, we've had a ton of races with this package since. So I really don't think, like uh, Hamlin's crew chief said, that there probably isn't much carryover because they've learned so much. So I wouldn't even count Logano. Like, Logano's good at Phoenix, but I wouldn't say just because he won the spring races that he's going to be a shoe-in to be among the top tier Brad, of these guys. Possibly. Brad or Chase? Yeah. Well, Brad, I think, has the best overall argument because he's dominated with this package once they adjusted to it throughout the season, winning at New Hampshire, winning at Richmond. So I think he's got the best overall kind of short track feel. And with the package, he could probably best performing under that. Um, I still, like, I want to say Denny Hamlin. I just feel like he will perform well in this race, mainly because he's good at Phoenix. And he wants to win a championship so bad. He's been so close multiple times. And this just seems like he's been great this year. I feel like it's his year to do it. However, Chase Elliott, we weren't talking about him a week ago. Like, he could have won Martinsville, but no one really um, figured that would totally happen. But then he did, and he's so fast. Like, he was so fast. He won by six seconds yesterday. Like, Hendrick has got I think a lot of that out. was because Truex held, held up the field for a while. Towards the end, remember when he had to pit? I feel like he held up those the the pack after that and I think that's why he built up a lead not saying that it was all of it I mean Chase definitely pulled away but I think that was part of why he had such a big lead I don't think Truex held up the field because he was like once he started really slowing down with the tire problem he kind of got out of the way in cars but he was going really slow so yeah there were a few laps anyways but Chase is fast and they've been extremely fast in road courses and just speed in general with this package and I think that gives him a huge advantage and the momentum like I think it's really going to become, it's like you said, it's impossible to decide between four. But I think it's got to be a, I think Logano's probably fourth. <clears throat> I would say Chase is third, Keselowski's second, and Denny's first. Like, I don't think I'm going to count Denny not being as good in the last few races. I think it's going to be, he's good at Phoenix. He's been best all year. He's the guy to beat. Yeah, interesting. You know, that, that point, you know, I brought up the Richmond car and the, you mentioned Brad Keselowski being fast at the shorter tracks. I'm starting to think, and I know I haven't made my pick yet, but I think he could be the favorite from that standpoint. Some of the points you mentioned that you kind of swayed me from Denny Hamlin. I'm between Hamlin wow. and, and Keselowski right now. And uh, I might be leaning a little bit more Keselowski right now. You want to know who Dora Bumper Clear said more than likely is going to win just based on all the factors? Who did TJ say? Not T. We're not talking about TJ. <laughs> they said engine, engine number nine. They think he's got all, all, all rounds best chance to win this based on every, all factors combined, which is very interesting. Yeah, Brad Chase Chase has had a good year to where you could see he's been a champ. I mean, obviously it's been Harvick and Hamlin all year. I think out of these guys, Kislowski has been the quietest, in my opinion, of in quiet, terms of like, good. yeah, no, I know, quiet, but good. 
you look at some of these guys like, oh, yeah, you know, they, they're Four up there. Wins. But Kislaski's that just like quiet fourth guy to possibly go and steal the headline, steal the show. That'd be very interesting. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Do you want to brush up, do some Xfinity series predictions? Yeah, we can talk about that real quick. Let me pull it up. You don't who, remember who, who the top four it? are? Oh, it's Haley, right? Yeah. Wow. Okay, I've got it. So in the oh, Xfinity pick- series, it's Chase Briscoe, Austin Sindrick, Justin Allgaier, Justin Haley. Whoa. I think this is the probably – I mean, Haley's definitely the dark horse. I don't think any of us would have expected that. But you look at Sindrick, Briscoe, and Allgaier, those are, that's, that's pretty representative, I think, of the Xfinity Series this year, besides maybe missing out on, on a Gregson. The Xfinity Series has been the best product all year. And I these agree. guys have been so entertaining to watch battle. Like, it's been – of course, you mentioned Noah in there too, but it's been – all those guys combined, winning and performing well and getting into trouble and, like, all that stuff. So definitely a great representative group. Justin Hilly is definitely a wild card, so that's why I'm picking. I'm just kidding. I'm picking the other Justin nah. because Justin Allgaier is fucking Tyler will beep that, lights out at Phoenix. Like, that is his track. Yeah. And he is the only one of these three, I believe, or four, you tell me if I'm wrong, that has ever been in the championship four before. He's faced this pressure. He knows what it's like. He's going to his best track. Like, this seems it's his race to win. And he's won, I think, the last bunch of extreme races on short tracks, except, you know, he finished second on Saturday. But, like, he is the best. Chase Briscoe has not been that great in that under that package. I would say Austin Sindrick probably is pretty competitive. But I think Allgaier has got a clear leg up here, and it's exciting as an employee of Junior Sports. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and Allgaier, you know, has been so close to this championship before and chasing it. I know he's hungry and he's got another opportunity here. You mentioned that. That's a great point, that these other guys don't really know what it's like to, to do that. Uh, I think an argument for, I mean... You're not allowed to say anything things, but just Allgaier. Well, I'm, I'm going to argue for Chase Briscoe. And... <sighs> The field has looked at him as being like the guy on the next zip code. Lights out, it seems like, in the NASCAR playoffs. You know, most weekends when he wins, he wins by a long shot. Now, I'm not discrediting Allgaier's ability on the short track, especially winning at Dover and Phoenix earlier in the year and just being so good at this racetrack. But I think the guy with the speed... He did not win at Phoenix earlier this year. Last year. I said earlier this... Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, Brandon Jones. That's right. Last year, um, I think if, if Brandon Jones won, that would have been another shakeup. Oh boy! If he was in that championship four, um, but but the whole field every time says we just have to find the speed to beat the ninety eight. I think the ninety eight obviously is the guy to uh, have this championship to win and, and has this championship to lose. So uh, I'm gonna put my butt bet on uh, on Chase Briscoe to win this, but it's going to be a tight battle. I think, especially with Allgaier being so good at Phoenix. I think it's going to be a great battle throughout the entire race. It's going to be so exciting to watch. Nice. That's optimistic. That's good spirit, Jason. Oh, sorry. I, like I, was, I was just trying to represent Andrew's views. Uh, the truck series, it's, I, it's also very wide open. I don't really want to talk about this much because I don't think it's as exciting as these other two series. But I'm going to go Zane Smith because I like him, and I think he's a, a 
a great young talent and should win because he's young. That's my argument. There you go. That's a good one. Um, looking at these guys, it seems like Sheldon Creed's been the guy all season long um, to, 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 to go and win. But, yeah, this truck series, I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to put my money on Sheldon Creed. He chokes at the end of the races. That's why I'm concerned about him. Well, he he certainly has uh, not choked for four checkered flags, I'll tell you that. Congratulations. Okay, very exciting championship weekend. I miss it being in Miami so much. I know you're very biased to wanting it to be in Phoenix. I understand hey. you live there. Hey, whoa, whoa, you're putting words in my mouth here. Listen, I've said this Would before. Would you want it in Miami or Phoenix? Listen to me here, okay? Why, why are you jumping to conclusions? Because I have you love absolutely Phoenix. everything to gain from it being in Phoenix, and I'm very excited that it is there this weekend and that I get to go and, and get to check it out and that we're racing the championship at a new venue. But I'm going to agree with what Ross Chastain told me at Phoenix one year ago. The championship should stay at Miami 100%. Oh, I didn't think you would agree with that. I've said that before. Sorry, I have a short-term memory. Yeah, so don't jump to conclusions, I'm, Jason. I'm going to see how the races play out this weekend, but I'm very concerned it's going to be a lot less competitive than a race in Miami would be because track position matters so much. It's hard to pass, and it's just it's a short track. You don't can't run multiple grooves. You can't just kind of find speed and make up ground. So we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully it's exciting. Hopefully it's awesome. Hopefully it puts on a really good show. But I think the whole weekend I'm going to be missing Miami. Jeremy Bullins in the uh, Zoom conference today, he, he did bring that up. And it seems like Phoenix is definitely more of a single strategy race. There's a little bit more you can do in terms of strategy, uh, pit sequences in Miami than there's Phoenix. And it's also shorter, 312 miles instead of 400 that you would see at Miami. So um, it's going to be a different race for sure. So, uh, are you going to the championship races? Yeah, I'll be there. What are you going to do there? So, I'll be... I won't be in the media center, um, because media center's deadline, basically deadline only. Um, you can't bring equipment or anything. It's basically, you're there to cover the race from the inside the media center. And that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to get an essence of, of NASCAR and and COVID and just covered the championship weekend. So I will be outside the racetrack, parked basically right outside the start-finish line, um, and we're going to set up shop there, and we're going to be doing some some cool things. We've got some cool ideas set up for this weekend, especially uh, we're, we'll be talking to a pretty cool person on Sunday. Uh, that was That's all I'll say about that. You'll, you'll see it, and you'll know it when you see it. Um, but... That's what we got for this weekend in Phoenix. I'm excited to be back. My first race since March, so it's been a while. Is it going to be a seven-minute interview? Uh, I don't know how long it's going to take. I think it should be seven minutes. That would be a very fitting number. Seven minutes. That's not a bad number. Yeah. Or, or Maybe uh, seven minutes and 48 seconds. Okay. I think that's actually that's probably the perfect number to uh, talk to this person. Yeah, I agree. So you're not going to Rattlesnake Hill? Uh, we'll see. I think there's, there's definitely restrictions, um, from what I've heard about going up on Rattlesnake Hill, but that's where you catch all the COVID. Yeah. Well, it's just a matter of keeping everyone in, in one spot, not having people move around and, and go to a bunch of different places with our producers calling. I'm going to put them on the phone real quick. 
Who's your producer? Can I help oh, you? We're Tyler. recording a podcast. Sorry. Andrew, Andrew wants to say hey. Hey, Tyler. What's Hi. up? Oh, you can't hear me. That was our producer, ladies and gentlemen. And he <laughs> keeps that in. <laughs> we'll see if he keeps that in. Yeah. So are you just going to be in your car along? Wait, are you said backstretch or front stretch? I'm getting confused. Front stretch. So there's a little media deck for all the media outside the racetrack. Oh, so in the grandstands? Yeah. So it'll be elevated just to the um side of the start finish line on the other side of the grandstands that sounds pretty good yeah so i've heard it's a pretty good view of the track awesome looking forward to that um it's a very big week i'm like i'm excited championship weekend last week in the season i know we mentioned a few episodes ago i'm kind of ready for the season to be over but like this week i'm hyped for like let's get let's end it in a good note it's been a weird year but we're in a championship race with a really exciting battle and just exciting moments ahead um, a lot of, oh, we're going to mention this. Well, maybe we'll, this will lead into our interview that we have for the, um, end of the show. Jimmy Johnson's last race. Yeah. Did you, did you That's, know that? That is crazy. That is insane. It's creeped up on us. Doesn't, again, we talked about this weeks ago. It doesn't feel like it, like, does not at all feel like I'm going to watch a race and then it'll be over. And then you're going to be next year. It's going to be like, whoa, whoa, where's Jimmy? Where do you go? I can't find him. Yeah. You're going to miss him over time, not maybe right away, but it'll be weird watching his last race. I want to share, you probably have a better, I'm going to ask you this question after I share mine because mine's way shorter. Best favorite memory all time of Jimmy? You only can pick one. I'm going to give you mine first before you give me yours. Well, you think of yours. Um, 2017, I got to shadow one of the marketing representatives at Hendrick during an event at the Hendrick campus. And um, it was an engine building competition and Jimmy would go every year to kind of do some media hits and be around the event and just kind of be there for, um, just to you know, support the team. And I got to, that was my only time I got to kind of one-on-one time with Jimmy, not one-on-one, but like in a small intimate setting, it was like Jimmy, then a few hundred people. And it was just like cool to be around him and just like thinking like, this is a seven time champion, one of the best drivers in NASCAR ever. And it's just such a cool laid back guy, super nice. Like just, go with the flow like he was so cool that day and just chill and it's like normal being around him which is crazy with yeah, him for a seven-time champion is. i think we've gotten used to being around these guys for years now gotten used to being around them and it's not as like awestruck as we probably would have been when we were kids but um it was just really cool to be around jimmy in that intimate setting you get to um, talk to him a little bit and just that was probably my favorite all-time jimmy memory this is not a favorite memory, but this is very notable, which I mentioned a few weeks ago, too. I was in victory lane for his last win at Dover in 2017, so that is really special to say that. Also, he won the first race I ever went to at Dover, my first NASCAR race ever, so that's cool. Same with me, actually. He won the first cup race I ever went to, the All-Star Race in 2012. So, there's that. That's my favorite Jimmy memory. No. Um, I've, got, I've got two of them. Um, both of them were actually from this year. Um, before COVID hit. The first one was the Daytona 500 when it was rescheduled to run uh, the next day. We stayed, and that was actually a whole thing I had to figure out with school, but we stayed, and what was cool about it was Pit Road was empty compared to the previous day. Like, there was nobody there, and it was just like, there were just people, people around. So I was getting B-roll with our GoPro stabilizer that we had, and I saw Jimmy walking from afar, and 
my goal at the beginning of the year, it obviously fell off with COVID, was to get a ton of Jimmy Johnson B-roll, put a ton of stuff together for a fitting tribute at the end of the year and just make sure that I had uh, good stuff from his last season. So it was him and his wife and his daughters, and they were all walking in a line down pit road holding hands, which was really neat. And I was just filming, kind of like following him and going backwards. And uh, Jimmy just looks at me. He's like, what's up, Andrew? How you doing? And like at that moment, I had no idea that he like knew my name or anything. And it's like you didn't know that. I I mean I don't know. You don't know if these people know your name or not. You know I still get a whole lot of buddies and mans and stuff like that. But um, it was just like kind of a, I've never heard him say my name before, which was kind of cool. Um, that it just like registered like that. And uh, we we get to talk and we're just chatting, walking down pit road before he's about to get in the car for his final Daytona 500. And like, he introduced me to his daughter. He's like, Hey, yeah, Andrew started like, just like when he was slightly older than you. And just like, he was telling my story to the rest of his family, which was really, really neat. Um, and just to be able to have that little moment on pit road was really cool. And then, uh, a few weeks later in Phoenix, I interviewed him. And then afterwards we talked running, which to me was like, cool, just because, He's the guy that I look to who pushes me to run and and achieve bigger goals. Like when I saw him run the Boston Marathon, I'm like, you know what? I got to I got to do something like that. And he was the guy who really inspired me to, to run a half marathon. And now I'm looking into running a half Ironman next year. And Jimmy's the guy, again, who who's done stuff like that. And I've really looked up to. So after the interview, we spent maybe five minutes talking about running. He was telling me about his Boston Marathon training, and uh, he gave me a goal to work towards for the half marathon, which I still haven't done. Um, but it was cool to just have that little moment, especially when he's so busy. It's during the race weekend. You know, there's a million different things, and he was willing to uh, take some time to talk to me about running. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to be able to tell him about some of those accomplishments that I've done since that conversation and uh, stuff like that. But Jimmy's just like, you can have a normal conversation with him, just like you mentioned, and uh, he's a good dude like that. So those are my two favorite Jimmy Johnson memories, but I've got a bunch of other cool stories that maybe we can share for another time. Jimmy Johnson, the competitor, is incredible, one of the best ever, but Jimmy Johnson, the person, is even better, inc- like amazing. <laughs> Yeah, someone you yeah. want to be like, want to look up to. In this next interview that we're about to play, um, with which is with his longtime publicist and, and PR person Amy Stock, um, she mentions like, and I ask her a question like, what, what's the most touching thing Jimmy's done? And she mentions like, nobody will truly know the extent of all the great things Jimmy Johnson has done because he does it quietly. He doesn't make a big fuss about it. It doesn't make a big scene, but just some of the things that he does are just incredible that, that nobody knows about. And and it's just little things like that is really what makes him larger than just a race car driver and a seven-time champion, just a truly champion on and off the track. All right, before we get to that interview with Amy, we're, let's talk about Clint Boyd real quick. Favorite yeah. Clint Boyd memories. Oh, my um, God. That's on the spot, but I've got, I've got one that comes to mind. It's uh, also at Phoenix. So this was way back when he was driving the uh, five-hour energy car, and his uh, PR person Christine Curley, who is still around the sport, um, she was she was Clint's rep at the time, and my <laughs> my dad and I was outside the old drivers' meeting tent, and my dad and I are like, well, we got to find like a way to 
prank Clint Boyer here in, in just a little bit. So um, we do the interview, and and Christine, we asked Christine this before, and she's like, yes, do it, absolutely, like, Clint will love this. So I'm like, Clint, can we get a picture? He's like, yeah. So he starts putting his arm around me, and I hand him my phone. I turn around, and I put my arm around my dad, and he takes a picture of me and my dad, and uh, <laughs> it just completely threw him off. And then as he's walking away, he hands the phone back to me. He goes, you little shit, and then just walks away. It was, it was just like that little memory of like throwing Clint Boyer off there. That was, uh, that was a fun time. What about you? And that's where we got the idea to do that to TJ Majors at yes, Chicago yes, Land last yes. year. Yes, Clint Boyer was the inspiration for that. <laughs> he inspires us each and every day in so many ways. Yeah. Especially <laughs> the alcohol drinking. Yeah. And the partying. Um, so I only have I only had a couple moments, probably one-on-one with Clint. What I really enjoy most is being connected with his spotter and longtime friend Brett Griffin so much on yeah. BBC and just being able to hear so many things that the public will never hear about Clint Boyer and just like getting, feeling I know him and through their relationship, which is really cool. Coolest memory with Clint Boyer. I worked for uh, Autism Delaware, which puts on the Drive for Autism golf tournament with a bunch of NASCAR drivers and broadcasters each May before the Dover race weekends up in Del- uh, Wilmington, Delaware. And I think this was either the first year or the second year I was there. I think it was the second year, maybe. Um, Clint was coming in. He wasn't golfing because, or wasn't scheduled to golf because he's not a very good golfer. And he was just coming to do an appearance with some of the kids that were at the event. And he kind of just walked into this clubhouse and was kind of like lost. And I was just kind of walking around doing my thing, um, <laughs> getting some social media content. And he's like, "Hey, man! Like, what? Like, what are we going? What, what are we doing?" So I knew what his, you know, itinerary was for us. So I kind of like. Like this is Jason as a 16-year-old want to be a PR rep. I'm like, oh my god, I get to like be a PR rep for Clinton, get to take him to meet these kids and do the stuff he was there to do, and that was really awesome and cool just to be able to interact with Clint one-on-one like that kind of thing. And then later that day, he did find his way out to the golf course after he had consumed a significant amount of alcohol, if you can believe that or not. <laughs> and he recorded, like he got, like he was hitting off the um, tee for, I don't know, I'm so bad with golf, I don't know what the correct terms are, at like the first hit for the hole or whatever. And he was really bad. It went like five, maybe 10 feet in front of him. <laughs> And then he looks over to me, and I'm recording, and he probably puts his hands up like this, like, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you just hit it 10 feet in front of you. And then a little bit later, he had a lay, like a Hawaii lay on, because <laughs> there was a beer sponsor at the event that was, like, kind of handing those out to the golfers just for fun, because they were all drunk, and they didn't know what they were doing. And I'm like, hey, Clint, do you mind recording a quick video for social media? And he's like, sure. And he's like, hey, I'm Clint Boyer here at the Drive for Autism. He holds the layup. He's like, I just got laid. And yeah, and then walks <laughs> off. And I'm like, that was epic. And just to be like the one with Clint capturing that content, it was uh, it was so crazy. It was so much fun. That's what Clint Boyer is. <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah. Uh, Take away from the story, still? Clint Boyer's been laid. Do you have those videos still? Yeah, I have the Clint Boyer video. Oh, maybe I should play it. You gotta, yeah, you gotta post it. Come on, yeah, yeah this is the time. Wait, do you yeah. have the one of him golfing too? I don't know about that. I definitely have the laid one. So, Tyler, remind it. me, I'll send you this video. You can put it in. Hey, it's Clint. Glad to be here. Drive to Autism. Thanks, already for having me. It's done been laid. Land Shark has showed up. 
good times. But yeah, I definitely like this weekend. I bet you're doing the same thing. We're po- like posting kind of met like, thanks for all the memories, Clint Boyer. Thanks for all the memories, Jimmy Johnson. I'm planning those posts for this weekend. So look for that. We'll both be doing that probably. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's actually a good idea. I'll put together like a best best of both of those guys and uh, we'll go from there. Oh, another one was uh, for Clint Boyer. I know we're running on time here. We're going a little long, but um, I had him do the blindfold challenge last year in Dover and he was looking at me the whole time um, and it was like the googly eyes and he like his sponsors had gathered to like wait for him on the next appearance and he's like my old sponsors they're all over here looking at me I'm looking ridiculous and you're making me look stupid so if I don't get a ride next year it's because of you it's just like it was it was funny to one of those funny moments you cost him his ride yeah it was me everybody blindfold challenge nah his, wow. his uh you're killing the I mean, personality of NASCAR. You, you think if anyone's fit for the blindfold game, it's uh, Clint Boyer. I think he's probably performs better blindfolded during interviews. <laughs> Maybe I should just do that as just like a, no, nothing special about it. We're just going to blindfold you just because. Yeah. We just need to do it one more time before you leave. Yeah, absolutely. Well, right. um, yeah. You- should we get to this Amy interview? So, Amy Stock has been in NASCAR, I'm going to have to, I want to say she's been with Jimmy Johnson since 2004, um, but I'll have to double check on that. And I At know she says Hendrick it in the interview, with, with Hendrick for a long, long time, she was with Kyle Busch uh, when Kyle Busch was in his Hendrick days, and then shifted over to Jimmy Johnson, and she has been with him since 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 then and has been managing Jimmy's schedule putting it all together she has to be the the person who keeps Jimmy on track every single weekend and she's the person that we send emails to ourselves when we want to reach out and and talk to Jimmy Johnson and she's a lot that she, that goes on uh at the racetrack she is an absolutely great person and uh someone I've been fortunate to uh build a great relationship with since I think 2015 was the first time that I met her, and actually something funny was she met my dad way back, like maybe 10 years prior to me meeting her. When my dad was just a NASCAR fan and, and he was working with the Bulls, she met him at a racetrack with one of the Bulls players. She says she remembers that, um, which is funny. Like that's That completely went over my head. But um, she, if, if anyone has the Jimmy Johnson stories, it's her. She spends most of race weekend with Jimmy and and, and – putting his entire schedule together. So um, I had the chance to talk to her a few weeks ago about just some Jimmy Johnson stories and, and how she was feeling. You know, this is a, a an emotional time and an emotional goodbye, not just for Jimmy Johnson, but you figure there are so many people within his organization that are taking their final laps with Jimmy uh, this weekend in Phoenix. And she is one of the top people who is going to be uh, having that send-off this weekend in Phoenix. So I really wanted to be able to capture uh, what that moment was going to be like for her and um, and talk to her about these closing years and, and any good Jimmy Johnson stories. And she will tell a good golfing story um, that has been rumored in bits and pieces, and she'll put some truth to that about Jimmy Johnson doing uh, some questionable things on top of a golf cart, which we will get to, <laughs> um, which, which is uh, a good one. But... It, Honestly, in terms of all the Zooms that I've done this year, this was probably one of the best conversations I've had, so I'm really looking forward to everyone listening to it. Uh, Jason, before I tip it off to the interview, anything you want to say about Amy? 
Yes, I never have met Amy, but I admire her work a lot and just in general. I think PR people have the best insight into drivers and managers and all that stuff. Working with Mike Davis, who's been with Dale Jr. for I think it's like 18 years now, maybe a little, maybe 16 years. Um, they have the best stories. They know these people the best of anyone that works with them on a professional level and a friend level. So like their stories trump everything. Like it's always such good insight they have into their lives. And so if you want really good stories, you go to the PR people. So that's why we wanted to bring you the same interview ahead of Jimmy Johnson's final weekend to be able to kind of capture some of that behind the scenes, Jimmy Johnson, that the world may not know, but these people who work so intimately with them know very well. Well, without further ado, here's uh, my conversation with the great Amy Walsh Stock. We're here with Amy Stock. She is the PR person for Jimmy Johnson and communications at Hendrick Motorsports. Amy, thank you for taking the time. I know we just talked about my relationship with Jimmy Johnson. Now let's talk about your relationship with Jimmy Johnson. I don't know if you can recall this, but do you remember the first time you met him? Um, yes, I actually, um, I don't even know if Jimmy knows this, but um, back when I was finishing grad school in 1999, um, I had an interview. I wanted to get into racing, and I had an interview at a marketing company in uh, Fort Mill, South Carolina, and it was for a um, Bush Series driver named Jimmy Johnson in the Excedrin car. And I didn't get a job, <laughs> but um, I ended up getting a job in the truck series later that um, later that year, maybe like a couple weeks later. Um, but you know, the first time I met him obviously was um, 2004 when I came to work here at Hendrick Motorsports, like officially met him. Um, and yeah, I've been here ever since. That's crazy. You know, it's been it's been fun watching you, and, and I, you know, I, I was. I was looking at your Instagram and I kind of got lost just like going through all these old photos and it's crazy some of the, the experiences and memories that you have. So I want to be able to uh, get into some of that. But your job right now is managing Jimmy Johnson's schedule, putting it together. How difficult can that be to manage uh, one of the biggest names in the sport and a seven-time champion schedule in, in the Cup Series? Well, I mean, I'm kind of just a small part of a bigger team when it comes to that because um, Team Jimmy is pretty thick. So, um, <laughs> you know, we have um, his office. So uh, John Lewinston, um, who you know, um, is uh, he is the vice president of uh, Jimmy Johnson Racing. And so we work closely together with, um, with John and then with, um, gosh, Jimmy's uh, social media person, um, Lauren Edwards and Ren Digital. Um, and then we work with Ally and then Jimmy's pilots and Jimmy's personal schedule. And so, um, it is, it is sometimes kind of hard to, uh, he's got a lot going on. I mean, he's a dad and he's got horse riding lessons and, you know, horse shows and, um, you know, his training and stuff. So, but we've, we've all worked together for so long that, um, we really like, we know kind of when we need to give Jimmy, you know, his time. Um, and then when, you know, there's opportunity for doing interviews and things like that, we try to keep it as routine as possible, um, just so he has a little bit of normalcy in that. But he's pulled in quite a few directions. Yeah. You spent 
probably more time than anybody with him, especially during a race weekend. What is the personal side of Jimmy Johnson, the away from Jimmy Johnson look like and versus the competitor in him? Because I know he's, he's got a fiery side when it comes to wanting to compete. So like, what's the difference between kind of the two personalities he could have? Um, you know, I mean, I think he obviously is a fierce competitor and he wants to win and he know he can't, he knows he can. Um, I think the Jimmy that, you know, it's, it's pretty funny because he will talk to people and shake hands and, you know, chat people up until the minute he gets into that race car and puts his helmet on. And literally that's his time to focus. Um, you know, some other athletes might need a couple hours, things like that. Jimmy's pretty resilient when it comes to that kind of stuff. Cause I think he's just so used to it. Um, but you know, I think the relationship that I have with him at the track is super business. You know, I, obviously have to be really, really aware of what um, is going on around him and always be two steps ahead of him just to make sure that things go smoothly. Um, but I mean, you know, he's the first, he called, um, he called my husband and I um, on the night of our uh, wedding rehearsal and just gave us good advice. And he was in Switzerland at the time because he couldn't make it. And so you know, he really cares about all the people around him, his whole team. Um, and I'm just a very lucky recipient of that as well. Um, you know, he's just, he's just the best. <laughs> Do you remember the advice he gave you for the wedding rehearsal? Yes. Um, what was it? <laughs> I, I was super stressed out and, um, we, so Marty Smith from ESPN, uh, married yeah. us and, um, we got to the rehearsal and I realized that I did not um, have a ring ceremony written because I was writing the ceremony myself and I was freaking out and I was so nervous. And of course, you know, I just, I don't do well with like all kinds of attention on me anyway, but, um, he said, just remember it's about you guys. Like nobody else. It's your wedding <laughs> and that's it. And actually with the day we got engaged, that was the advice he gave us then too. So it was all great advice. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that sounds like a stressful time. I've never planned a wedding, but you know. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Let somebody else do that. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, I know there are a lot of moments that have touched you personally. And, mm -hmm. and one thing that I looked and saw on your Instagram that was really cool to me. And I just kept thinking of different instances where Jimmy's gone out of his way to find a fan, whether that be have him stand on pit road or just go and slightly make somebody's day, super small things. So like, what's one of those moments that have touched you personally? And, and, and what's one of your favorite moments where he's just kind of gone out of his way to uh, be a better person? Um, I don't think we'll ever, all of us will ever know like the extent of what he's, he's done to go out of his way to do things for people. Um, because it's probably like an astronomical list. Um, but I think, you know, the main thing that kind of sticks out for me is, um, you know, our relationship with Bo Smith from, <clears throat> excuse me, from, uh, Dover and, um, how that kind of came about, I believe it was 2015 as well, but he, um, Jimmy went to the driver's meeting and I just usually drop him off and then I either go get my bag ready and, um, you know, go get, get stuff ready for the race. And, um, I guess in the driver's meeting, when he walked in, uh, Bo, uh, who was I think 11 or 12 at the time, 
uh, maybe a little younger, he just, um, he was in a wheelchair and he jumped out of the wheelchair and like hugged Jimmy, like hard hug, like wouldn't let him go. Um, he hugged him three times and like, Jimmy's like, Oh my gosh, this kid just, you know, jumps up and hugs me. And like, like Fox caught it on, um, on camera. And it kind of just really struck a chord with everybody. And we were just like, wow, like that he is such a true Jimmy fan. So as I was um, sitting on the plane, um, getting ready to take off, he sent me a text and he said, we've got to find that kid. I can't stop <laughs> thinking about him. Um, and I'm like, what kid? Who, who are you talking about? And he's like, the kid on Fox, like look on Twitter. And so we um, just put some tweets out and we're like, does anyone know who this little boy is? You know, cause we really want to meet him and um, tracked him down. Um, and uh, we brought him to Pocono the very next race. And, you know, Jimmy made him like an honorary crew member for life. And I mean, he's been to every Pocono, um, I'm sorry, every Dover. And um, he's been to Pocono and he's been to Watkins Glen and Daytona. And so we just, you know, we Zoomed with him um, because, you know, they wouldn't let any fans at Dover. Um, you know, I have a I text with him, like, you know, we have a personal relationship with him. Jimmy's girls have a relationship with him. So um, we've really come to know him over the years. And, you know, he just, he just likes being around Bo because Bo makes him happy and Bo is a happy kid. And um, although all the challenges that he has, like, it's just incredible to, to us, you know, that he, he's just this great force of joy, you know? <laughs> so just seeing him do that, um, I think, you know, there's other things. I mean, obviously he does so much for everybody, but like, you know, Joe Crowley missed his plane and, you know, he's another PR rep in the series and, and he, uh, Jim, he gave Jimmy a ride, you know, or Jimmy gave him a ride, um, to, uh, New York one time. So like, he just does random things, which is like, and he never really wants any notoriety or anything for him. He just does them because he wants to. Yeah. Oh man, that the video of Bo, I remember seeing it on Twitter and just like what a heartwarming moment that must have been. Yeah, he um actually sent me a video last week that he was nominated um by his school as a PR guy. And so <laughs> he wanted to let Jimmy know that he's gonna be a really good PR guy. <laughs> so um, you know, he's just he's a great kid. <laughs> oh yeah, well, that's that so cool. I love seeing whenever he's at the track and uh, just seeing those pictures, man. That's yeah. really neat. Um, you know, obviously this is Jimmy's final season, and you know, when COVID hit, you would hope that like um, it's it was it was so disappointing to me because he was having this build up to having a great walk off, and then COVID hits, and he's not really able to get the exit that he, he necessarily deserves. How tough's it kind of been with this COVID world of like, you know, Jimmy quite hasn't been able to get the proper send off that he should have under a normal world. Well, I think, you know, he, um, in typical Jimmy fashion, you know, he's, he's okay with it because, um, you know, he understands that, um, there's worse things going on in the world right now and that people's health and safety have to come first. And, um, he's obviously experienced, you know, these new normal times firsthand. Um, and in California, I mean, they could not have done more for him if they tried, mm -hmm. like they, I mean, his girls waved the flag and, 
you know, he led the field and just the salute and um, all the fans. And it was, it was incredible. And so I know he's glad that we had California and I am too. Um, we've done as, as good as a job as we can at this point to try to, you know, still try to make that send off as, as best we can. And I think the tracks have done a really good job with all the restrictions and the gifts have been so like overwhelmingly heartfelt and thoughtful and um, they're all giving back to helping others, you know? So, I mean, there's scholarships and um, there's grandstands named after him and streets, uh, like there's four streets, Jimmy Johnson drives, <laughs> um, you know, and there's, um, fitness trails and things. And so like all the gifts that the tracks have given are going to be able to give people, um, you know, the gift of health, the gift of, you know, education for so many years to come. And I think that really means a lot to him. And so, um, you know, I also think he's, uh, you know, focusing on, you know, not quitting racing, he's still going to be racing. And so I think it's just a shift um, you know, of priorities, um, not priorities, a shift of just responsibilities for him and um, spending more time with his family. And that's, you know, he's earned that and he's, he's happy with it. He really is. Um, yeah. I can't say he's not going to be emotional, but I don't know, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, I definitely think he's, he's happy with what he was able to experience on the send off. What do you think that Phoenix race, which is coming up <laughs> crazy in a few weeks, what do you think that's going to be like for him? And then what's that going to be like for you, do you think? Um, well, I haven't been to a race since Phoenix. Um, yeah. So because of the restrictions, so um, I am going to be allowed to go. Um, I really don't know how it's going to feel. It's going to I don't know. Um, try not to think about it too much, but yeah, <laughs> um, because there's so much planning going into it. Um, and you know, we obviously want to make it, um, the best we can for him. So, um, we've had a lot of media requests trying to space those out to where, you know, he's not on the phone for eight hours a day. Um, and then just working with the track and, you know, I think NASCAR has got some great things planned for him. Um, I think, you know, the broadcast partners have some great things planned for the fans at home. And I think it's going to be first class. Um, I think it's going to be fitting for his legacy and his champion, like just a, for a champion. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if just the entire industry kind of came together to send him off because he's pretty much friends with everybody. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. I'm, you know, I'm really excited, um, to kind of see that and, and be able to be there for those moments. Yeah, absolutely. I got two, two more quick questions for you. I know you got a busy schedule today. Uh, Jimmy has been like known for his wit and his humor. And I've been able to see some of the, some bits and pieces and some of the games I've been playing with him, but like, Jimmy out here is a funny guy. Like how funny can he be? Like what's a funny story you might have with Jimmy? Um, <laughs> I don't know. If some of them are like, I think he, um, trying to think. I mean, I think like a lot of things about Jimmy, you know, he never has the, he never has a shirt like with a sponsor. <laughs> we always have to bring a shirt for him. Um, he never has a Sharpie. You always have to bring a Sharpie for him. And the minute you forget, he's like, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, um, gosh, I'm trying to think. 
<laughs> well, he seems forgetful. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> I put I mean, you on the spot. Well, no, some of them are not made for TV. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, he's, I mean, he's just off the track. He's super fun. And, you know, he um, is always, like, entertaining the team. And, and they do a lot of team building things, or they were, when they were able to. Um, you know, I think the funniest Jimmy story that most people know is the golf court like surfing on the top of the golf cart story. Um, he, uh, I was not working with him at the time I was at Hendrick though. And, um, he fell off the golf cart and broke his hand from surfing on the top of the golf cart. So, um, but he's, um, he's been pretty, like, he's got some fun friends. So, um, you know, I think he, he enjoys his, his private life, but you know, we, we just always have, you know, fun, on the golf cart and things. Um, his golf cart driver has kind of been, um, Biggie is known for, um, his very aggressive golf cart driving and, you know, Jimmy and I <laughs> will usually get after Biggie, um, you know, when he's plowing through fans and stuff like that. And we'll just be like, I can't look, you know, and <laughs> so it's just, it's just stuff like that, um, that we laugh about. So. I actually didn't, I didn't know about the surfing on the golf cart story. So oh my yeah, gosh. I mean, that was before I actually started watching NASCAR. So that's funny. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, it had to be like 2004 or five or six. I'm not sure. <laughs> it was, um, it was at a golf tournament. He was having fun with um, some awesome. of his baseball friends and um, they were, I think, indulging and Jimmy thought it would be funny <laughs> to surf on top of the golf cart. But, you know, the story came out in bits and pieces. And um, again, I was not his PR person at the time. <laughs> Christine handled it super well, but he ended up having surgery for the, wow. the broken wrist. So, yeah. <laughs> now yeah. I know what not to do. I looked at Jimmy for a lot of things. Now I know I don't, I should not surf on the top of a golf cart. Well, Amy, thank you so much. It was great to, uh, I've, I've got like so many more questions. So I'll have to have you on another time just to be able to hash out some more stories. And, uh, but I really appreciate you taking the time and, uh, man, Phoenix, it's coming up. It's, it's coming too soon. It's crazy. I know. Well, we appreciate you. And I mean, I've enjoyed watching you kind of grow up, um, literally behind the microphone. I mean, you've done an outstanding <laughs> job representing yourself and, um, it's just great to see the passion that you have about, you know, TV and NASCAR. And I'm just so glad that you're pursuing your dreams and, and, succeeding at that so that's a lot <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate it, amy mm -hmm, absolutely awesome yeah so there you have it that was uh my conversation with amy stock from a few weeks ago uh jimmy johnson surfing on top of a golf cart I actually had to get surgery for that uh who i mean that that's just one of the the jimmy moments i wish uh we heard more about <laughs> So that's a reminder, folks, don't do anything dangerous while you're drinking. Exactly. Yes. Don't surf on top of golf carts. Like I said uh, in that interview, I looked to Jimmy for a lot of things, but maybe not for surfing on top hey, of a Hey, he knows golf how to have fun. What's wrong with that? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point, and there's a good story out of it. But I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I know we're running a little bit long here, but we want to make sure we got everything in before championship weekend, which is this week. And... Uh, it's crazy. This year, it, very cool for NASCAR to be one of the only sports to have run an entire completed season in this COVID world. That's a, that's a big deal uh, to, to get that industry up and moving and, and to be able to run all 38 races is a fantastic feat that 
everyone in the industry should be credited for in, in, in trying to get the wheels moving on that thing. So uh, pretty cool and uh, a proud moment for me for NASCAR to be able to say, hey, my sport went the, the entire distance in a year that not a whole lot of sports did. Hopefully we end it with a nice, dramatic, compelling, interesting race weekend with a lot of um, good moments. And let's end it on a good note. Let's see who gets the championship because it could literally go to anybody, and that's what's going to be most exciting about it. This format delivers every year. It's made the championship event something super special and something you get so hyped for, just like the Super Bowl. It all comes down to this one day to decide everything, and that's why I'm excited to see how it unfolds on Sunday. Go Jumer Sports, Justin Allgaier on Saturday. It would be so awesome if they can win the championship. He deserves Justin deserves it so much. I'll be looking most forward to that this weekend, and then we'll talk to you all about it next week, and Andrew gets to tell us all about being at the racetrack. Can't wait. Thanks, everyone. Uh, you can follow Jason where? Where can you follow you? Follow Jason on Twitter at HeyJasonSchultz for great content. Follow Andrew at... At Andrew Curlin TV for great content. I'll be uh, working hard this week getting some championship content out of the way. Um, talking to Bubba Wallace tomorrow, and he's had a, a very significant year for him uh, professionally and personally. So I, I hope to uh, be able to chat with him about that, and uh, there will be a surprise or two along the way with an interview uh, that will maybe take 7 minutes and 48 seconds if there's a hint. I wonder who that could be. It's, it blows my mind. Me too. Um Maybe we'll even do like maybe an Instagram live together from you'll be at the track. I'll be from home sometime this weekend. So check out our Instagrams for that. Same handles except mine's. Actually, mine's the same. Yours is what's different. Yours is just you Andrew just search Crone my name. TV. You'll find me. So maybe we'll do that. So check that out. And peace. We'll see you after Phoenix.